Hello, and welcome to CARD, a podcast about coffee and related topics. I'm your host, Joseph Jenkins, owner and lead educator of Sustain Coffee Company. This podcast was initially inspired by conversation starters that happens during monthly Coffee 101 classes. So the aim of this show is to answer some of those questions in a more extensive manner, as well as bring up some new topics to discuss. We hope that you enjoy the show. Episode 28, Season 2, The Next Wave, Defining the Coffee Industry Moving Forward. Waves upon waves, movements that are as intricate as the molecules that make up the substance we call water, changes of pace and perspectives, evolutions of practices and standards, wave number one followed by number two and overthrown by a third. Today we hope to recall how the coffee industry has arrived at where it is today and perhaps ask some questions that will help us define how we move forward. We aim to do this by the following. Defining specialty coffee, observing some of the previous waves or movements, and observing where we are now and how we move forward. What you drinking? Today we are enjoying a coffee roasted by Mother Tongue Coffee out of Oakland, California. It's a washed Ethiopia Gadev by the farm name of Daniel Majan. Daniel runs two of his family-owned washing stations, and with their export license, they can offer transparency and some pretty excellent tasting coffees. We brewed this on the AeroPress using a recipe designed for two cups. And our numbers were 24 grams of coffee, 200 grams of brew water, 100 grams of bypass water, and that is water that is added after pressing, with the brew time of two minutes and 45 seconds. And we used two filters for this brew. This coffee to us tastes best on espresso, and this recipe provides a similar lingering note of jasmine, similarly to that of on espresso. Specialty coffee defined. The simplest way that we can define specialty coffee is simply that it is the highest graded coffee available. In this way, specialty coffee refers to coffee when it is green and based on how it was graded at the cupping table. The grading scale is on a 100 point rating system and a coffee needs to score 80 or higher to be considered a specialty coffee. Thus, a coffee shop that is considered a specialty cafe really relies on if the coffee they serve is of a high grade. Now, there are some cafes who are challenging this, such as our friends at Boycott, who will maybe serve a coffee that is technically scored lower than other cafes, but still has value and potential. But we can discuss that on a separate episode. The tricky part is the relationship between specialty coffee and our waves that we will discuss today. As we discuss this topic today, keep in mind that the term specialty coffee refers to the coffee itself, whereas the term wave refers to expression. An article written by the staff at Coffee of the North states just this, quote, remember that specialty coffee is a type of coffee they serve 
whereas the third way is just an expression or movement that complements it. This specialty term was defined well before the idea of waves. The term was coined by the godmother of specialty coffee, Erna Knudsen, in the late 1970s. Knudsen was originally a secretary for a coffee and spice company, and after years of putting up with being excluded from the cupping room simply for being a woman, she started her own coffee company. You go, Erna. If specialty coffee is considered high-quality coffee, then the inverse would be defined as commodity coffee. Now, there are many differences between the two. Some common issues with commodity coffee could be mass production, poor handling, little to no quality control, and in turn, high levels of defects. Apart from these being lacking in how they honor the product, it is also a sure way that they will score lower at a cupping table. Now that we understand a bit of how the coffee itself is defined, we can move to our next point for the day, which is observing previous waves. Where Erna gave us the definition for specialty coffee, another female coffee professional introduced this idea of waves. It was not until 2003 that Trish Rothgeb, now co-owner of Wrecking Ball Coffee, published an article that noticed that we should divide the coffee world in waves, or more simply put, movements. This is a similar concept to generational cohorts. As introduced by Rothgeb, there are presently three distinct waves that we can define. So let's observe each of them. Wave number one. The largest factor of this wave is that it began right alongside World War II, and it really kicked off when the war was over. During the war, many who served in the military had acquired a taste for instant coffee. All sorts of related convenience foods were making their way into the American home, and instant coffee was just another one of those things. During this wave, coffee was traded at a commodity level, using low-quality coffee with an emphasis on drinking coffee with brand names. We're looking at you, Nestle and Folgers. In terms of brewing, if instant coffee was not being reached for, then the alternative was to brew with a pumping percolator. Meanwhile, the Italian gentleman Achilles Gaccia was working on improving espresso machine designs. Gaccia figured out how to extract coffee using a higher pressure, and this design would permeate even today's espresso shots. These high-pressure machines landed spots in high-end cafes in the U.S., but it would be decades until it became a standard. Wave number two. When we observe wave number two, we immediately see a shift in consumers' preferences. Where most coffee drinkers were buying their coffee already ground, this movement was marked by consumers realizing the delight it is to enjoy freshly roasted and ground coffee. In fact, this movement came alongside the launch of Whole Foods in 1980, and consumers were becoming more educated on the quality of food they were consuming, and coffee fell right into that category. We see our aforementioned godmother of specialty coffee come to the surface in these years. In fact, the second wave generation did not call themselves second wave due to that naming convention not existing until several decades later. 
Instead, they adopted Knudsen's term for specialty coffee. This wave was of course influenced by the ever-growing Starbucks. However, a coffee roaster that was the most important was Pete's Coffee and Tea. The brand was headed by Alfred Pete, a Dutch immigrant who had his father's coffee roasting legacy to fulfill. Using his knowledge of how to source high quality coffee, Pete developed quite a following. By roasting fresh and in store and moving to dark or further developed roasts. The influence of Pete's reached some entrepreneurs who wanted to model Pete's success. And they did so in 1971, where they launched the first Starbucks. By this time, home coffee makers were on the rise, and no longer were home brewers using pumping percolators, but instead using automatic drip machines that were Mr. Coffee, and they had paper filters. When we look a few years later, we see Starbucks thriving, with more stores opening frequently. Yet, it is important to note that the early Starbucks was a mere retailer and not a fully service cafe. Shortly after Starbucks' marketing director visited Italy, they returned with the bright new vision to bring the espresso they experienced in Italy to the States. Before long, espresso drinks were being served at the previous retail-only storefronts. With menus that grew in length, the Starbucks Cafe grew their popularity exponentially. Okay, now that we're reminded of the juggernaut that helped propel coffee in the US, let's look at some other factors about this second wave. We mentioned at the beginning of this section how there was a parallel between the coffee world and places like Whole Foods. Consumers wanted to be informed as to exactly where their coffee was coming from. And coffee-producing countries were experiencing hard times. Latin America faced debt and civil war. Genocides occurred in Rwanda. Famine plagued Ethiopia, and so on. Fair trade became a popular term in the late 1960s, but by the late 1990s, consumers were pushing for more certifications. Starbucks offered fair trade coffees in 2000 but they were still a long way from supporting the farmers as they should be. Wave number three. In the early 2000s, many young coffee professionals were looking past the mere flavored concoctions that a given cafe can come up with. These individuals understood that it was the coffee itself that should be prized, and thus they'd use to nail every side of the process, sourcing, roasting, and brewing just to name a few of the big three. We think that the Coffee of the North article that we mentioned earlier explains this wonderfully. Quote, the third wave of coffee can be a movement that acknowledges coffee as an artisanal beverage. It means that the coffee you drink is high quality. It's more of a movement that highlights the relationship between coffee growers, traders, and roasters. And since this phase involves a focus on all stages of production, the importance of every actor in the supply chain, such as the farmer, producer, importer, Q-grader, roaster, barista, and consumer, is well recognized. This wave, then, is defined by coffees of single origin that highlight a specific topography. Along with single origins, we see more roasters in this stage 
focusing on roast developments that are lighter. And here we see more individuals push for fresh roasting and grinding, and the coffee begins to be treated as one might treat produce. In the same way, we see the preparation of coffee becoming more thoughtful and intentional. With manual brew methods and the utilization of scales and just overall this goal of precision. If Folgers was the first wave and Starbucks was the second, then roasters such as Intelligentsia, Blue Bottle, and Stumptown were pioneers of the third wave. Since then, these roasters and their respective cafes have grown and also aged, but we would not say they've become irrelevant. So where are we now and how should we move forward? In a lot of ways, the height of the third wave movement has diminished. But does that mean that we're now living in the fourth wave? Or should we even be defining ourselves as such? We think that the third wave has done a decent job of bringing humans back to the forefront of the industry. Where the second wave demanded fair trade, we can see more and more roasters pushing for direct trade. And that's a good thing. The more that we can be connected to the farms themselves, the more that we can appreciate the work and dedication that's happening on a farm level, as well as emphasize with farmers whenever financial crisis or droughts or other harmful things that would happen to the plant occur. We can also use this related knowledge to educate those in our cafes and even on social circles. We are not alone in asking the question of where we are now because Jory Korhonen of Breeds Institute wrote a great article discussing it where they broke down some characteristics of this new wave that we are in. And they defined them as the five things. Science of coffee, accurate measuring of brewing, deep understanding of properties in coffee, water chemistry, and development of brewing equipment. While we really enjoy these characteristics, we think that in order to truly move forward, we need to continue to uplift the farmers. So how do we move forward? One way to move forward is to learn from previous movements, mistakes, and tropes. When we think of the beginning of Third Wave, for example, we witness a lot of the coffee snob ideas coming into play which we know are not honoring to anyone. In our new wave, be it called fourth or something else, we should look into having an emphasis on respect in all areas. And that's respect for the farmers, the product itself, coffee that is, how we advertise our services and respective products, as well as the baristas and consumers alike. If we could adopt this concept of respect and honor, then the characteristics that we mentioned science of coffee, accurate measurement of brewing, the deeper understanding of properties of coffee, water chemistry, and the development of brewing equipment would all be realized to their full potential. Thank you for listening to episode 28 of Carts. Do you have anything that you'd like to add to the show or thoughts on what we could do to move forward in our coffee industry? If so, please let us know. You can do so by sending us a voice message on Instagram at 901 Sustain Coffee, 
or by emailing us at 901sustaincoffee at gmail.com. Or if you'd prefer to send us a voice message, you can do so at anchor.fm forward slash 901 cart. You'll see there where you can submit a voice message. We would love to hear from you. So no matter what platform you decide to reach out to us, don't hesitate. Until next time.